Welcome to the Get Deep Podcast, where premium spirits meet quality conversation. Featuring your extremely good-looking co-hosts, Aaron Jones and Wes Otto. Now, take off those floaties, get your ass out of the shallow end, and let's get deep. Should we do this thing? I think we should do this thing. I let's think we should get it. into this. And should we get deep? I think we should get deep. deep. I don't know if you heard that clank, but that is the, uh, what do you call it? The ceremonial... Uh, first clank to get this. No, what do they call it? Um, you know, when they break the bottle over a boat. I, I honestly don't know. Oh, you I don't know. know. Christen, I know. Christening. Oh, well, the go. christening. I like it. So we're just we're gonna somehow maybe that clank. We should was do that th- every episode. We should just add a little. There we go. That's the kickoff. We could hear it. We could actually hear it on that. That's great. Perfect. I love it. Hello, so, friends. Isn't that how Joe Rogan does it? Hello, friends. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. So go ahead, Wes. Uh, I mean, go well, I ahead, think, guy. I think the best way to start this is how did we meet? Do you remember? Because I've got a vague memory of like the first time I met you, but I want to hear what you have in your memory bank. Well, um, let's see. So in my memory bank, the first time that I met Wesley Warner Otto. I got that mm-hmm. right? Did I get it right? You got it right. God. Uh, I believe was at, um, man, it would have been, I think it was Jay Long's at the time. I don't think it was Knight's Chamber. hey And you were, uh, you came in with Alec yes. um, Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, side note, I graduated with his brother, Dylan Miller. Good people. Good peoples. Yep, for sure. And um, you guys came in. I think it was just... It might have been even another buddy or something of you, with you guys, but I remember, yeah. obviously, I knew Alec because I knew his brother. And Alec I, needed a suit. I don't know what the event was, but I know he needed, like, he needed dress clothes. I think he was maybe a step ahead of me on the interview game, and he needed some, some good-looking clothes. And he's like, does. hey, we need to go in to see my friends. My, my buddy graduated with this, this character over at this store called Jay Long's, and his name is Aaron... Jones. Gosh, have I changed at all since you remember those days? I mean, I feel you like tried, I was a lot more hyper. Well, you tried really hard to sell me on some underwear that grabbed my package oh, in yeah. a particular way that kept things very put together. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, the Saks underwear. And I just appreciated that you were concerned about the underwear that I was wearing. I, I thought that that was a very generous and kind thing. I wasn't concerned about the underwear. I was concerned about your boys. Well, down yeah. below, and, you know, I, I didn't want to make you that familiar, but I mean, again, I appreciate it. Yeah, so. well, you're welcome. Sax Underwear, S A X X. They're not a sponsor, but uh, they could be. They are great, and uh, they have this ballpark pouch that just holds the goods ballpark in place. Pouch. That's what they call it, Wes. That's what they call it. <laughs> I you made that up. No, that's actually what they call it, the ball, ballpark fantastic. pouch, and it's super sportive and it's it's great. So no matter what your size, well, they that's, will support you. That's my first memory of you. So okay. that's, I think, a really great intro to know anybody is that. Yeah. So Yeah. Well, that's cool. So we were, we were pretty much on the same page. Um, I do remember working with you then, and I do remember um, multiple times after that getting to know you. Usually you'd come in with, with Alec, and uh, obviously 
I got to know you guys, you guys together as, as mm-hmm. buddies, and and um, again, the Miller family's great. And well, even when I was a broke college kid and I couldn't afford nice clothes, I still had good taste. So I would come in and shop for things I couldn't afford and chat you up. And right. I was amazed that you remembered me because you're just a relationship dude and you know people and you remember people, which is so cool to me and I respect and appreciate that. And that was, I think, a big part of it. Is, is It's always fun, especially when you're a young nobody that's not even really spending money, to have someone that you see in the community remember you. I think sure. that's always cool. So huh? I, I yep. just appreciated that. It's, uh, well, hey, um, I received that. And likewise, you're a good person, and I'm glad that we're doing this together. And look where we've come, you know, from then, from me wanting to support your boys to us uh, creating a podcast <laughs> together. You're still and, supporting and, my and, boys. And here. getting deep together, as we say. So uh, this is the uh, Get Deep podcast with Wes Warner Otto and Aaron Richard William Jones. We are Mankato men, if you will, um, born and raised in the area. That's right. And we are here to drink premium spirits and have quality conversations with many local folk that have stories to tell. And that's, that's what this is about. So in between all of our bullshit and all of our uh, rants and whatnot, you're going to find hopefully some uh, good nuggets of truth and wisdom, life experiences, and maybe even laugh a little bit. What do you that's think about right. that? I think that's spot on, and you're going to have to tag along for all the other BS that pops up along the way, because <laughs> I'm sure we're going to make some stumbles, but it's going to be a fun ride. It will be a fun ride for sure. So I think people probably know a little bit about us just from our businesses. I mean, you've got Jay Longs that you're not only uh, heavily involved with from a day-to-day work standpoint, but also owner, uh, part owner. And then on my end, I've got the family restaurant which is zan's mexican restaurant i am not an owner but working towards it with my sister molly and then additionally uh omg auto media group which is the agency that i started along with a former business partner of mine in 2016 so that's kind of just to set the stage before we really get deep like we'd like to on this podcast Uh, but I think we should start with you, my man. Okay. I think we should get into you, who you are, what you got going on so that when we have more conversations with the other awesome guests we have on the show, there's at least some context as to who you are and what your experiences are. Cause I think that just helps. Right. I agree. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think it's great for people to know their stories and, and, uh, it's interesting. That's really why you and I we're so gung ho about doing this is, is to getting to know people beyond the surface of what their businesses necessarily are. It's, it's great to know about Zans. It's great to know about Jay Long's, but it's also great to know about who, who is Wes mm-hmm. and who is Aaron be, be uh, beneath the surface. So that's what we're going to do. I so what do you want to know about me, Wes? Well, let's, let's maybe start at what the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey. Like what, what, uh, tell me about you and, and what it was like growing up and what made be made you who you are today. Yeah, yeah, well, thanks for asking. Uh, well, I uh, grew up in Mankato. I'm a Mankato boy and uh, grew up on three at 325 Van Brunt Street, right down by Mankato West. Nice. Uh, great. Um, I, you know, I love Mankato. It's, it's been a wonderful ride so far, and I hope to continue this ride here in this, in this town and raise my own kids here. Um, my entrepreneurial spirit, let's, let's go there so I don't go off too much for rant here, but my stepfather, so my parents uh, uh, got divorced when I was about two years old, um, and uh, that's, that's all kosher. Everything's golden. A lot of families go through that. So 
what's uh, what the positive thing that comes out of a lot of times with divorce is the fact you end up gaining extra people in your family, which to me, I gained a stepmother and a stepfather that taught me a lot, um, which was a blessing. Um, I think I realized it was more of a blessing later on in life than it did then. But uh, one of the things that came up was my stepfather and his entrepreneurial spirit, even though he didn't always know what he was doing. Um, he always tried, he worked hard and he kept grinding and he had a construction business, Randy Johnson construction, and he did remodeling projects, additions, uh, re-roofing, siding, all those things. Um, so from basically a pretty early age, if I had to say a, an age that I was, uh, man, probably eight you know, mm-hmm. seven, eight, nine years old was on job sites picking up shingles. That was kind of like one of my first jobs nice. ever. Yeah. I remember stepping on some rusty nails too, Ugh. which which sucked. You know, you had to go get that. Dangerous. Yeah, you know, it was, uh, he wanted us to start there. So mm-hmm. myself and my brothers, you know, that's what we did. We started off picking up shingles on job sites when he would be up in the roof as a one-man how, wrecking crew. I was going to how big of a crew was it? Uh, you know, a lot of times what happens, you start off in business, you can't afford to hire anybody else. True. And so he'd be up there tearing off shingles. And he had, uh, you know, my older brother, Andy, who's four, four years older than myself. And sure. my younger brother, Derek, who's uh, three years younger. So um, it was basically, we were his, his crew. Gotcha. You know? Nice. Nothing like child labor, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, my family believes in it. <laughs> Why not? When it's family, right? So um, my brother Andy and myself would pick up shingles, and Randy would tear them off up there. And, and then eventually Andy got old enough, because he was four years older, to go up there and, and be on the roof as well. It's kind of like a thing well earned. You know, you sure. get old enough or you get experience enough right to go up. A rite of passage. A rite of passage. Uh, so that's where my entrepreneurial spirit, I guess, would come from. And, and, and it took a while because, of course, I was picking up shingles and making some money and and basically screwing around in the job site and not really taking too many things seriously. But as I saw him work harder and um, gain more clients, and he'd even ask me to help sometimes type up some uh, bids on the computer and, and whatnot, too. And that what was kind of fun. What did that teach you? Numbers. Yeah. What things cost. Um I mean, I, I think uh, I think that would be the main things. Just kind of that that really simple kind of hey, this is what it costs us. What you need to charge. This is what you need to survive on uh, with with these jobs and and how to uh, bring in that money. Because I was going to say, I think one of the challenges that I run into, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs on the agency side, especially, is is how to properly charge for your services. So I think what's really cool about you having exposure to that at such a young age is just the experience of being able to see, hey, what's my stepfather charging for right. his time, his his sweat equity that you're literally seeing him out right. there working. You know? It didn't make sense to me much at the time, to be honest with you. It's kind of like, hey, type in these things, or this is what I want. He would dictate, you know, kind of sure. tell me, and then I would type it. Because um, yeah. I was actually, uh, believe it or not, at my young age, a little bit faster on the computer than he was. And yeah, so he just sense. would say, yeah, I don't think he really liked doing it anyway, but... Uh, that taught me a lot. And then the work ethic of being on the job site in the hot summer days with the hot shingles and, and everything else. And um, such lessons that were learned on those summer days that, mm-hmm. you know, looking back now, it almost makes me a little bit emotional because it's like I didn't appreciate it, you know, then as much. Now I look back on it. I'm like, man, those were such good lessons that I hope I'm able to uh, teach to my own kids as yeah. they get older. You know, which is pretty cool. It's, you know, on the pricing side, it's mundane. On the actual working on the job side, it's it's hard work. But right. both are such valuable lessons, especially at a transformative 
or formative age, really. Right. Um, I think that's a parallel that you'll see in my story is I, I started out equally as glamorous as you. <laughs> I wasn't quite on the rusty nail front, but I was scrubbing toilets, mm-hmm. scrubbing floors, anything that really didn't require a ton of supervision. So I could, you know, they could check the job when it was done and tell me if right. I needed to do it over again, really. Right. Um, and at what age would you say that started for you, Wes? Uh, it was off and on from like eight to 12. And then at 13, I graduated to the big boy job, which was cash register. And that happened just because I simply was finally tall enough to actually reach that dang cash register. And, uh, but it was, that was a good education too, though, because I don't know what you were paid when you were on the job site or if you were paid, which is also another common thing. But for me, I think I was making like... I think when I very first started, it was like $2 and change per hour, wow. <laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah. And I think before I made it to the cash register, I, w- I maybe worked my way up to like 4 four fifty, something like that. And when I got on the cash register, they're like, okay, now we'll put you at the minimum wage. Like, <laughs> this is what we're paying the other folks to do. We'll, we'll put you right. at that, that basic, you know, minimum wage. So It was, uh, you know, as far as payment goes for, for, uh, for us and my brothers, it was basically... Um, it was the family business. You know, my mom was a secretary, sure. um, office lady, if you will, kind of, that was kind of what she's done for many years, sure. um, different businesses, but it was kind of the main money maker for our, our little family. So I think that, that, uh, a lot of times my brothers and I were looking, you know, Hey, this was part of the family. This is what Worked you do. Food. This is what you do. This is how you give back. This is how you support or, you know give give back whatever um and and then eventually we got paid for it when we could kind of prove ourselves that we were gonna be um that sounds terrible to say prove yourself when you're like eight to ten years old but you know just to say you're gonna actually go there and and take it seriously and not just take a nap over on the side (laughs) plank board which happened um the truth of it is when you could produce something that had economic value absolutely and that's the truth of it is like yeah i maybe i cleaned a very small portion of the floor or cleaned the toilet but that that isn't really all that valuable, you know, from an ongoing standpoint. Right. So I'm, I'm with you. I understand. I'll it. tell you what, you know, when we first started getting paid for what, what we were doing, I remember riding my BMX bike around to go hang out with my buddies, mm-hmm. my friends, and uh, having more money than any of them had at, at that age. Um, Did you? And like, going to, you know, like the Sinclair Station, if anybody yeah. remembers the Sinclair Station, the big green dinosaur by... Mankato West. It's not there any longer. It's I think Toppers and the Mayberry uh, State Farm Agency now was sure. where where it was. But going to buy cheap candy and mm-hmm. bazooka bubble gum and and uh, always having dollar bills in my pocket. It felt kind of cool. That is a cool feeling. I had a goal when I was young that I worked for from a financial standpoint. I had something I wanted to buy. And I don't remember what the age was, but I had this TV that was in my parents' basement that I desperately wanted in my bedroom. But it wasn't my TV. And so they told me if I wanted it, I had to buy it from them to move it up into my room. <laughs> and there was a price tag associated. Oh. So I remember working my ass off to buy that television, which is really funny to work so hard to buy something that you don't have to, you know. Right. But, uh, so that was like my big thing. That was a big motivator for me when I was a kid and when I was trying to figure out how to make a buck here and there. Did you have, I mean, I don't know if you did, but was that something that, did you ever have anything like that? Was it, I mean, a lot of people have that with their car, right? right. Like when they turn 16, oh, I've got to get a job so I can pay for this car that I want to get. But did you have anything similar? I was always into bikes. 
Okay. I was into bicycles. Um, Nicholas South Bike Shop before it was owned by Jenna and Justin uh, Reinhardt. Mm-hmm. Um, it was owned by Jean and Margot. I don't remember their last names, but it was a local operation. They were out off some highway, some terrible directions. But I was always into bikes. And uh, my parents, um, they did okay, but uh, they didn't have enough money with us three boys to to go ahead and just be like, hey, I'm going to buy you that. No problem. What do you want? Mm-hmm. So they always made the deal like, we'll pay half. We'll pay half. So that was motivation. That's nice. From BMX bikes to eventually mountain bikes. GT used to be a brand that was pretty cool until they got bought by Pacific, and then I think they went downhill. But <laughs> uh, that's neither here nor there. But uh, anyways, I always liked nice bikes, and so that's what I did. I worked hard and mowed lawns and worked construction with my stepfather, and, and I remember sending cash mm-hmm. in the mail. <laughs> cash Dollar both of bills. those are like crazy right <laughs> right now yeah think about that you know sending actual cash i think it was 50 dollars a month they let me do a payment plan with these bikes at nicolette south bike shop shout out to gene and margo they were great mm-hmm. and uh consistently i would send that money to them and eventually go pick up the bike and it nice. was it was great so that was always my motivation upgrade the bikes Super rewarding though right it was when you got it the problem yeah. was of course i was stupid and and didn't lock it up the most diligent ways and I'd leave it. Um, I thought it was secure, you know, sitting in the back against the back of our house, you know, in the yard where we grew up, but somebody would always find a way to, to steal it. So I want to say probably out of the like 10 nice bikes that I bought from age 10 to, or eight or nine, whatever, 10 to 16, probably, Probably half of them got stolen. Jeez. Um, so you didn't learn after the first no, one or two, huh? No, I didn't. And uh, <laughs> eventually I got better about buying better locks and putting yeah. them in garages and hiding them better. It happens. But, you know, it does. Yeah. I don't know. So you, you're a local kid, so did mm-hmm. you, was it Mankato West, right? That's Absolutely. My yep. Uh, I was a Scarlet um, from 2000 to 2004. So graduated 04 and um, that was me. I uh, ran cross country and track. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually how I met my current one of my business partners. There's actually four of us, but Matt Long, my best buddy and uh, sure. business partner, we met running that guy. That guy. <laughs> he was actually uh, an eighth grader. He he's one year younger than me. He graduated at five. I was four, and he came up as an eighth grader. And I ran like a. It was. I remember this pretty vividly. I I ran like a five oh six mile at that time. It's not my fastest. I ran a little faster, but I'm not here to brag. Let's not talk about my mile time. <laughs> hey, Wes, what's your mile time? I think I never broke 10, but... Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you know, this is this is a Get Deep podcast. We're real, but we're also about respect, so... Um, hey, I, I might not have been able to broke 10, but if I ever caught you, you watch out. You I, would I die. I could lay some damage on you. Love it. So, Maddie, I, I ran like a 506 mile, and I was a freshman at West in, in track and just started running not too long before that I was baseball and football. And then I realized I was short and didn't grow any, you know, anymore. So Matt came out as an eighth grader. He ran a five Oh one. And I was thinking this little shit Mm -hmm. comes in as an eighth grader and beats me. And he's just this little skinny punk and I didn't like him. And I also had bleach blonde hair when I was a freshman because I was in some weird state of mind or (laughs) trying to figure out my own life. And so a lot of the people that were in uh, track or uh, the upperclassmen and, and whatnot thought I was kind of an idiot. And long story short, anyways, we kind of created this friendship. He was the young one. 
that was running with the bigger kids because he had good times and I was the the weird freshman and and so we kind of connected and um, he invited me over to his house and he had a pool up sure. in Holiday Court in Northridge. Sure, didn't understand why you became friends with him. Yeah. Well, you know, pool's nice. <laughs> um, and I th- at first, I thought you were just being nice to him. But it, it brings the you know having a pool in your backyard brings the young the young cuties. Mm. You know, so there you go. Um, something like that, but. Either way, so that's how we met, and uh, I didn't like him at first, and then I realized he was a pretty decent guy, and we just became really good friends. And there's a lot more details in, in you know, involved in this 20-year history of friendship, but yeah. kind of fast forward to where we are now, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So would you you'd say he was your best friend in high school? I would say that uh, we became best friends pretty fast. Yep, he was nice. a grade younger, but we, you know, our cross-country and track team, we had a lot of... Uh, guys like a grade older and a grade younger and we all kind of hung out we were pretty tight and mm-hmm. we had some good cross-country and track teams with Mankato West and um, so it was, it was cool we were all cool with each other no matter what grade we were in for the most part and that's kind of how it started so yeah I'd say legitly yeah yeah maybe a year after we met we were best buddies nice well you eventually graduated I assume uh, you know, I don't know. High school? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I did. Okay. Thankfully. Right. Well, good for you. By hey, the way, thank congratulations. You. Thank you very much. Uh, what did you, did you do something after that or have you just been sitting around since then? Well, um, let's see. The glory days of my life were high school. So ever since then, I've kind of just been sitting in this little. I could tell. This Really? No. Is it that no. obvious? <laughs> Is it that obvious? What? Uh, I, I actually decided I wanted to get out of Mankato. Um, I wanted to, I didn't want to go really far, but I also just wanted to get out of the, out of the city and just check out something else. So I uh, ended up taking a, a college tour to Duluth, UMD, and I remember just coming off of Highway 35 and coming into the city, and I thought, holy beautiful. shit, this is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, just that sprawling lake and the lift bridge and the, the distance and everything else. Those who have been to Duluth know exactly what I'm talking about. It was gorgeous. It's downhill when you're coming in, right? Mm-hmm. That's so. I I remember vividly. I think it was my junior year. Loyola, the high school that I went to, sponsors this trip up there, and they make a point of going through Duluth. And I remember it was early morning because we left super early, like when it was still dark. So by the time that we got up there, it was sunrise, oh, and nice. it's just gorgeous because it was all snow covered and just beautiful and i remember going down the hill and i've been to duluth many times but never has it been that picturesque i right. mean you cannot get more scenic than that it's gorgeous yeah. it really is a cool place for sure it kind of climbs that hill for a little bit and then it yeah. ends, ends up going down of course into the city um yeah it's beautiful you know if you ever did you ever go up to anger tower when you were there no Mm-mm. that's a beautiful spot it's just cool kind of circular is it a uh, lighthouse um, well, it kind of, I mean, I guess you could call it a really, really short lighthouse. There's no light in the top, but it okay. is a tower. Sure. Um, but I don't even know how tall it is. I want to say maybe. Right on the lake. I'm I sure. don't know. Uh, no, it's actually up above the hill. It's like oh, on okay. the hill because there's kind of a bluff. Sure. Um, above the lake. Well, and, well, and it's, it's got a great viewpoint that you can see 360 degrees because there's, it's nice. this tower, but there's open like window spots on okay. the top that you can just look out over everything. It's great. It's great. Yeah, I think, so I went there for a bachelor trip, but then I also, the trip I mentioned with Loyola was Wolfridge. They did that for their Mm. junior retreat for their entire junior class. And so I don't, it wasn't really in Duluth. So I don't know if we just went through just for like, hey, we're close. We should 
show the whole class this beautiful scenic spot and take a photo. Right. Uh, but that was like my earliest experience in Duluth, and I just it was very, you know, it, it stuck with me clearly. Yeah, it's so. it's a great city. I it was, yeah, I was pretty much sold once we drove in there for that trip, and then uh, I went up there. I spent two years there, got my generals done, and then I uh, transferred back to MSU. Just a uh, beautiful city. Just wasn't um, well. There was a, la- a relationship I had, uh, kind of on and off back in Mankato, so that that drew me back here. My mind was. Waiting on a woman. Uh, waiting on a woman. <laughs> I don't know if that was the right uh, tone, but um, that and then uh, just kind of was homesick, sure. honestly, and, and just didn't feel a total connection up there with who I was living with. with the, we had a house of five guys, and okay. there were some connections there, but it, it just didn't feel right, so I just had to come back. What were you doing for your actual your degree at UMD, and did you continue that at MSU? Well, so I, uh, I, I did, finished up my generals. My focus was going to be exercise science and psychology for a minor oh, up there. Nice. Um, yeah, I was kind of going down that path because I was running a lot, you know, so I thought, hey, exercise, that sounds cool, exercise yeah. science. So that was kind of the path I wanted to go after, you know, getting the generals done and, and whatnot. But came back to MSU, kind of went on and off, you know, semester on, semester off, semester on, semester off back at MSU. Uh, moved in with my father, uh, my biological father, when I came back and was kind of just paying for school out of pocket. Sure. Um, eventually, I, uh, well, my, my, my dad got sick. Uh, with esophageal cancer, which is Ugh. a cancer that most people don't yeah. really talk about, hear about, you know, because it's not one of the, the main ones. But um, got sick with that and six months later passed away. Well, so that was... I'm sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Um, that was a crazy time in life. But um, so that happened. And so that it was kind of just my focus was all over the board, trying to be there for my sisters and my mm-hmm. brother Andy and... Um, it was just a rough time. So kind of was going semester on, semester off and, and working, but my focus was terrible and it was shit. And so I just decided to continue to work and make money. And the school thing never really uh, came to fruition. I never ended up finishing college, to be honest with you. And for those who do, that's wonderful. I think it's great. For those who don't, I think that's also fine. I think he can still be a successful person even if you don't finish. Yeah. Well, you've clearly not suffered for it. <laughs> Besides the the constant drooling, um, yeah, no, I think it's been okay. Well. You do very well, my friend. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate that. What about you? What's your uh, throwing it back at you for education beyond high school? So you went to Loyola. Yeah. Right. So well, actually, let's go a little further back. Oh well, sure we could. Should um, we throw you back to? Yeah. Well, well so. What do we? Why don't we start with? Um, yeah, why don't we start with Loyola? Okay. So okay, I I went to Loyola. It was it used to be Mankato area Catholic schools. So there was a bunch of different schools that were all a part of basically what is now the Loyola system. And that was a great experience. You know, it's a private school for those of you that don't know. They're listening, but um, everyone always asks, "Oh, so Mankato, so west or east?" You know, or East or West, and it's Loyola, so it's always fun to throw that at people. The but Crusaders, right? That's right. Oh, God, yeah. I got it. Which has some controversy around it, not quite as Ooh. Redskin-like, but, yeah, you know, now Crusaders that were Catholic it. killers, basically, you know, crusading for the Catholic cause, so... Anyways, not not that I'm passionate about that one way or the other, <laughs> but uh, that was always kind of a funny thing, but... Um, 
Yeah, so I went to Loyola. My parents always had a philosophy with both me and my sister, Molly, who's six and a half years older than me, um, that as long as you're doing well and you're happy, then we'll leave you in. But if either of those two things change, then we'll have to explore what other options exist. So my sister um, was doing fine but wasn't happy, so she ended up having to make a move from Loyola. Um, you know, I don't. I think it was her... Eighth grade going into ninth grade year. So I think she started high school at Mankato East. And it wasn't even necessarily a knock on Loyola. It was just that particular class had some, you know, other girls in it that were really known to not be the nicest folks. So that experience. one or three. Yeah, or most of the (laughs) class for for her case, which was. That's too bad. Yeah. So, and that's, you know, she ended up doing very well at East. So good for her. Uh, and on my end, I did well at Loyola basically from the get-go. I mean, there was small speed bumps, but for the most part, I did well academically as well as socially. And I got along with a lot of people. My best friend, uh, who I had made when I was in kindergarten, which I'm super grateful for, um, left me selfishly. So selfish. Bastard. He left, I think it was fifth grade, I think. Uh, and... Never, I've never forgiven him for it. But anyways, he went to West. So even while I was going to Loyola, I had all kinds of friends at Loyola. Uh, still close with a few of them. But kept that friendship. Made some other friendships over at West as well. Uh, there was a couple other Loyola transfers that went over to West. So I had friends at multiple schools. I even had some friends at East too, which was great. And still friends with a lot of them today. And eventually it came time to pick my college, right? And I was looking at private schools because I came from the private school system and was also looking at the price tag of those private schools Mm. and said, hmm. So cheap. I love it. Oh, yeah. What a bargain. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I was looking at St. Thomas and Marquette, which anyone that's looked at college prices, those are two of the top. Is Marquette really really high too? Yeah, it's it's in line with St. Thomas. Okay, okay. I mean, we're talking back then. It was like forty five thousand a year. Wow. So if you were to do four years, you were looking at just under two hundred thousand dollars. Wow. But what I was so there was two things that I was interested in. Number one was an accredited business program that could give me a really great degree. And number two was a fantastic, whatever the best opportunity was alumni network-wise that I could get. And I did well in high school, but I wasn't like, I wasn't 4.0. I wasn't looking at Ivy Leagues or anything like that. That never really interested me. So it was just a question of, is there a Twin Cities or a Milwaukee market that I could tap into alumni network-wise that made sense for those two schools? Right. And ultimately, MSU had an accredited business program for 20 percent of the cost (laughs) right and it was close to home and my family owned zan's mexican restaurant so it was just easy to be able to shout out to the delicious cheese gelito that is and mild and hot we're gonna have to have you do some radio commercials with that do you think i was trying to get a little deeper with the voice here you got deep with that one i like that you are but yeah so with the the family business msu being in our own backyard great school Great cost, uh, also accredited. I think I even interviewed the dean of the College of Business, who's still the dean of the College of Business, before I joined the university, before I committed to going to MSU. Really? Yeah. Is that, is that, it's not normal. 
<laughs> no, that well, that isn't normal. That no. just says something about your character and who you are. I don't know how I arranged it or even how I went about it, but I just remember I, I went to Brenda? her office. Yes, yeah, Brenda, Brenda Flannery. Brenda Flannery. Yep. Okay. I did it as a, a senior in high school. I was very much, I was having a tough time between St. Thomas and MSU because I knew that they had a really great business network, alumni-wise. Right. And um, a Brian Jones, Brian, yeah. Gosh, I feel bad if I'm getting his name wrong. But he was the guy that recruited me there, and he ended up, I think, setting up the meeting. But anyways, I, I decided on MSU. Okay. Um, great experience there, too. Joined it, it's a Jones guy at MSU? Yeah. David? David Jones is the VP, and I He's know David the, as well. Okay. Ironically, that's my, that is my late father's name. Oh, yeah. David Jones, and I oh. remember meeting David during a function. It was a dancing with the Mankato Stars that was a part of that sure. thing, and I met David. Yep. Nice guy. Yeah, David and I are friends to this day. David's a good guy, too. Yeah. I'm a big yeah. fan of him. So, um, But, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Brian Jones. is the He's one of the higher-ups within the recruitment okay. department, and he came to Loyola, and he basically made the same pitch to me of, like, yeah, I I looked at these private schools too, but honestly, I'm I'm very happy that I stuck with this sure. experience. So, so you're happy with it being being a maverick? You're you to this day no reg, no regrets? No, not really. Um, you know, I think not even one. Well, <laughs> you know, I never I never want to speak negatively uh, in general. But, yeah, I think everyone has their their things that they can work on. And MSU has sure. some opportunities where they can improve. But they're also a public university working on a limited budget. Right. Sure. So absolutely. Um, there's some, certainly some things that I'd be happy to contribute and help with and, and maybe add some additional, I would say, real world experience to what they're doing from a curriculum standpoint and have done already through their entrepreneurial center that I, I partner with on some other projects. And, uh, there's a lot of great folks over there doing great work. If there's somebody there that, uh, you experienced a good relationship with slash has inspired you to be, you know, who you are, but also you think would work well into the podcast that we're doing here. Who would that be that you'd like to invite on if you could pick one person? Well, there's a few. So, so you got to pick one, Wes. Oof. Yeah, oof, oof, narrow oof. it down here, buddy. Um, All right. Do, I give they have you... to, do they have to be active? Because one no. of them's left. No, that's fine. So one of my favorite, mostly because of her background and her stories, is Queen Booker. And she used to be a management professor at MSU. And she's got this terrific history of entrepreneurship herself. She started a card company with her mom that she eventually sold to Hallmark. Wow. She developed some really cool computer algorithms that became facial recognition software. She developed some of the baseline software that is now TurboTax. She's worked for Goldman Sachs. She's got a Harvard degree, a Wharton degree. She's got all kinds of really cool, like... And that's just from like a professional standpoint. But then when you meet the woman and her personality and how fun she is, she's she's just she's all kinds of. She fun. sounds amazing. Yeah, we got to bring her on. And her name's Queen. And her name's Queen. <laughs> I don't think Queen sounds like she knows anything about lazy. No, being lazy and knows the word lazy. That, that that's some fantastic accomplishments that you just mentioned there. And she's a, she's an alum, yeah. an MSU alum. No, 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 she's she, not an alumni. Okay, she's she's, a, she's a prof she was a professor. She was a professor. She taught in the management um, area. So I got into a business fraternity, and there's a whole story behind that. But I got into a business fraternity, and she was the advisor for that business fraternity. And I became the president of that fraternity after several years of being in it. And 
part of that is, is you work heavily with the advisor. So I got to know her really well. And we would go out and have like dinners and talk about different stuff that was going on with the fraternity, but also the university. And then we got to know each other. And so we kind of kept a friendship and we've been friends many years since I left MSU. So that's fantastic. Queen Booker. Queen Booker. All right. We'll get her on. I mean, I'm going to leave that to you to ask her. Yeah. Well, if she's willing, if she's willing, she's, she's, um, she, she likes her privacy. So okay. I'm sure she's loving me spilling all kinds of details about her. <laughs> and she lives at this address, and this is her number. I mean, nobody wants to reach out to her. Right. Um, well, that's awesome. So that brings you up to, uh, both of us up to the college, the college level. Mm-hmm. And let's punch it back to you, because okay. I feel like I've been going for a while. Let's that's fine. talk about you. Post-college, you come back to Mankato. You sure. were chasing a woman. You're living in your... Was it your stepdad's place? So actually, uh, it was my, my father's place, actually. Oh, father's place, sorry. Just previous to coming back to, uh, to Mankato, I actually did this really uh, interesting internship for a company called Southwesterns. For those Southwestern. So for those of you who have heard um, or seen uh, those uh, kind of weird book people wandering <laughs> around your neighborhood. That's a great description, weird book Yeah, people. well, it's kind of because they just seem kind of lurky, you know, all of a sudden they're hiding behind trees and stuff. Well, they shouldn't be, to be honest, but uh, they do have permits, just for the record. Uh, but it's a company called Southwestern, which is a publishing company out of Nashville. Okay. And uh, this company, what they do is they hire young college students to go and sell their education resources door to door. So, um, the, but they send the students from from different areas of the nation to different areas of the nation. So, for example, Minnesota people, I went to UMD, so an internship I did right after I left that summer of 2006, I was going to come back to Mankato, but I decided to do an internship, and they sent me to West Virginia. Okay. Morgantown, West Virginia, the home of the Mountaineers. Sounds exciting. It, uh, it was very exciting. So, we did an internship in Nashville for a week. That sounds uh, fun. At the War Memorial, which is like the downtown. I was talking to Jordan Powers about this recently, actually, your holiday party. Sure. But we did an internship for a week at the more War Memorial about sales and all that, all that stuff and handling objections door to door. Long story short, we were selling education resources. I have to pause you. Okay. Handling, handling objections door to door is code for how do I force this book on someone? Um, basically, how to get them not to slam the door in your face okay. and say... Fuck you. That's to a, be honest. That's a good way to put it. Because I it, feel like that's probably the situation you're dealing with most. You dealt with it a lot. I dealt with it a lot. Um, so it's, it, it's a 12-week internship. Um, one of the best experiences I've had in my life, not because it was easy, but because it was just so difficult it was life-changing. That's good. Um, teaches you a lot of lessons about perseverance and not giving up. But there, I mean, I'll be honest, there's probably three, four times that I cried out there on that, on that book field, if you will. Um, I was a walker, so I'm kind of throwing a lot of shit out there, but let me, let me just, yeah. so we got picked to do this internship. I was a UMD student. Um, they, they touted, you know, making a lot of money during this internship. So I went to Morgantown, West Virginia, uh, to sell books door-to-door. And Morgantown, West Virginia's, you know, the time that I was there in the 2006, uh, summer of 2006, uh, but 26,000 population of the town in the University WVU was about 25,000. Okay. So the town would basically double when university was in session, and it's not a town built for that many, you know, people to be in it. So kind of crazy. The roads are narrow, and it's just interesting. Very hilly, 
Mm-hmm. I tell you, that part of the country is very beautiful. The hills, mm-hmm. the Allegheny, I think it's the Allegheny River, the Appalachian Mountains. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of A's there, but beautiful countryside. Mm-hmm. And actually really kind people, but also kind of a bad rap. Sure. Um, so I sold books door to door. A lot of people are very satisfied with C's. What? C's are good. What kind of books? So they were like, um, if somebody, if a parent had a student who was struggling with math, algebra, let's say college, or not college algebra, but just uh, algebra in general, or some sort of chemistry, sure. things like that, these these study guides, if you will, these hardcover books, they could sit down with their student and actually help work through the problems. Mm-hmm. Then, and I'm not sure about now because my kids are young and I haven't had to go down this path, but a lot of times there's just the parents have a little information on how to help their kids with schoolwork. However, they've been out of school for so long, there's this gap. Mm-hmm. And now these kids now have new ways to solve these problems, but the parents are trying to do it their way and the sure. kids are going, well, this is how I was taught. Regardless, this book would kind of bring the, you know, bridge the gap. So kind of educational self-help yep. parent. Yeah, help. yeah, exactly. And parents would, parents liked the idea, but mm-hmm. were they willing to spend the few hundred dollars, you know, three to $500 on these products? You don't have to buy all of them, but were they willing to spend that on their yeah. kids? The funny thing, <laughs> I think this is funny. I was actually thinking about this the other day. So they taught us in Nashville during the sales training when you get to the door, right? You step, you step up, you knock on the door, you step back about five steps, you turn sideways so it's not really confrontational like front, like yeah. face-to-face. You step back, you turn, and you look down at your notepad pretending to make notes. When somebody answers the door, you turn and you walk towards the door very slowly and you say, whether it's the mom or the dad, you say, hey, you must, you must be the dad of the house. Great. Well, my name's Aaron and I'm, I'm here. I've got a permit with the city. I'm talking to families about education resources. Just got done talking with the Johnsons down the way and also the Smiths down this way. Uh, I and see what you're doing there. Oh, you're not name dropping everything oh, else. Oh, yeah. But usually the funny thing that I was going to say is they taught us in sales school, typically the dads don't handle any of the education. Kind of sad, right? They taught us that in sales school. Interesting. Like, to get past the dad. The dad is going to be your barrier. <laughs> they did. Because they're controlling the checkbook to a certain extent. Because they're not usually as involved yeah. in education. At okay. least that's what they taught us. Now, sure. I think there's a lot of great fathers who are involved in the kids' education. But I would agree. they say that moms, at least the way they taught us, that moms are more involved. So they would, if we got a dad, we'd say, you must be the dad of the house. Hey, you know, I, I don't want to waste your time. I, you know, I respect your time. So, um I'm assuming the, you, your wife is the one who handles the education in the house, and a lot of times they would kind of laugh and say, yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate, you know, and then they'd hand us maybe off to the mom. If you were lucky. If we were lucky. <laughs> if you didn't get the door shut in your face. Right. Or some would ask more questions, which to me is a good father. True. But um, that, uh, that was that, and a lot of times if they'd give you an objection, sometimes I'd say, well, you know, remember I just got done talking to the Johnsons and the Smith down the way. Let's just sit on the porch here, and I'll show you these study guides. You know, so, and I, I would just plop down on their porch sometimes, and you know, they say uh-huh. the action creates action, you know. Yep. I just can't tell you so many times these moms would come out or dads would come out and just sit next to me on the porch, even though they told me they weren't interested. It yeah. was great. Well, I just love the, the use of, I just got done talking to the Johnsons, <laughs> because that plays into the keeping up with the Joneses theory, oh, yeah. right? I don't think about that. Exactly. So Keep in mind, too, and I'll, I'll finish up this story, because I'll go on a rant about my handmade maps and how I got rained on and <laughs> cried in a laundromat and ate peanut butter and jelly I sandwiches do want to hear for about weeks. You and the laundromat. <laughs> of course you would. Of course you would. Thanks, Wes. It's total sympathy. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
um, we create uh, these these maps of these neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. We were in charge of creating our own maps, and you go through the houses, and if it's a house that didn't have any kids, it sounds terrible to say, but you would cro- kind of X them out. Yeah, but if you sense. canvassed the area, and I had a neighbor that was pretty open that maybe didn't have kids, but they told me, you know, I'd say, hey, I don't want to waste anybody's time, but is it worth stopping to the house next door to you or that house down there, that greenhouse down there? Yeah. Do they have any school-age kids, like from this age to this age? And you create these little maps. Mm-hmm. And anytime you see toys in the yard, we'd label yeah. them. Makes sense. Multicolored playthings. M-C-P-T. <laughs> I had to think about that hard. Anyway, internship. Did that, and mm-hmm. then I came back to Mankato after that internship. As a sales machine, which leads perfectly into... At least from a job standpoint to start, what right. you did next, right? It was the hardest internship slash job I ever did, but it did set me up for success with going to sell threads. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about Orange Julius. Well, I try not to remember those days. I, I think thought when you were hocking the smoothies, that's where the <laughs> skill set really played. I did work there part-time for a while while I was training to become a you know rock star suit salesman, I guess. But um, I think I drank more... Um, smoothies than I actually sold and I so I didn't really that. make any money. They were delicious. You ever have a strawberry sensation so from Orange Julius back in the day? Orgasmic. Yeah. Wow. He Super. said it. I said it. It's Orgasmic. It's good. That They were fantastic. They'd have these pucks of yogurt. Mm-hmm. They'd mix in, blend in. I mean, it was it was awesome. We'd, we'd throw a Nelly in the back. Me and some of the guys I worked Nelly? with. Nelly? Oh, yeah. Oh, I got whole stories on Nelly that I, I could take up this whole podcast talking about Nelly. Before we do, though, we need to do a refill because I noticed both of our glasses are empty. Yes, we are getting a little bit parched. What are we drinking here, Aaron? You know all the deets. Yeah, uh, well, guys, um, we currently are drinking some Ranch Road whiskey from Chankaska Ranch and Winery out on Highway 22 going towards St. Peter. They're about, what, three quarters of the way towards St. Peter from Mankato? that's about right. Uh, fantastic place. I think most people have probably, cheers to you, brother. Most people have probably experienced their wines or heard of their wines. They do a fantastic job at those. But uh, one of the things that many of you don't know is that they they do excel in their spirits as well. And they actually have a spirits room um, that they they built onto their establishment, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple years ago. And so you can go and get an awesome old-fashioned or um, some other fancy drinks too. Yeah, it's great stuff. Great facility, great drinks, uh, and super excited to have them be in our drink sponsor for the podcast. Absolutely. So, thank you, guys. Um, so, yeah, Orange Julius. <laughs> oh, you want to go back to that, the Orange no, no, Julius? No, 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 no. Okay. I'm, I'm moving on from that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm moving on to what is your your true skill set and where you actually applied those sales skills, which is, it, if I remember correctly, it was uh, the Knight's Chamber before it became Jay Long's, right? Right. It was, yep, yep. Where I started with the business um, was the location currently in the River Hills Mall. If you walk in the left side door in the food court area, now it's A and W, I believe, but mm-hmm. it was Ruddles many years ago. Sure, all the old time Mankato folks remember Ruddles. Oh yeah, Ruddles. there was multiple Ruddles locations. There was. There was one in St. Peter as well. I remember yep. that one. Yep. Um, right after Ruddles shut down in there, that's where the, uh, Knight's Chamber location was that I started at. Now they, you know, they, that wasn't the first one in the River Hills Mall, but that's when I started at. And, um, that was where my slang and threads mm-hmm. career started. Yeah. And pretty cool, uh, pretty cool what place. What year was that? Man. Um, 
it would have been the fall of 2006. Okay. So, so I came came back from Duluth, did that internship in West Virginia, and then years ago. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Fifteen years. Yeah. It was um, definitely something I didn't think. You know, a lot of people get into a career slash job, and you know, the time flies, and they go, "Man, it's been this many years." I, I really didn't know what to expect. It was more of an opportunity at the time that it wasn't that difficult. It's you know, Matt Long, my best buddy. It's his family's business, and um, it wasn't like a hard interview process or anything like that. I think they just checked my pulse and had me color like in a coloring book and make sure I could stay within the lines sort of. And then they said, Hey, I think, uh, yeah, we'll try you out for like seven hours a week and then see if you don't suck. That's even more rigorous than our current hiring process at Zans. It's, if we get an application and there's an actual phone number on there, which is a hard application to come by, (laughs) we'll call you. And if you answer the phone, you're, you're often hired because that's how few applications we get. You know, it's just tough to find people. Is it that? So it's pretty, pretty difficult out there right now. I mean, you could spend hundreds, if not thousands of dollars advertising for positions open, but depending on your industry, I mean, restaurant industries included you, it's hard to get a single application, let alone a quality candidate. And wow. You know, it, part of that is is you've got the folks that are in the space that are paying fifteen, twenty dollars an hour. I mean, Cato McDonald's is is saying some of their positions they'll pay twenty dollars an hour. That's what they're offering to start, and I think that's mostly their overnights, which are awful shifts. But um, some people love that. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's hard to, to compete with. with. Yeah. yeah, jinx. So, yeah. But yeah. anyways, uh, you you did your initial job was more of a, an hourly, but you also got commission, right? Yeah, for uh, yeah for Jay Longs, that was well, it was a nice chamber at the time. But yeah, yeah, hourly, and and then if we could sell uh, if we could sell some suits, you know, or some clothing, it would it would add up, and you you make some decent money. Uh, funny thing was we had so if you remember the old Ruddles location, there was an upstairs, mm-hmm. yeah, and there was the lower part, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the, I laughed because in that, that older, uh, first location, there was an upstairs where the cheaper suits would be held. Ah. Typically the polyester blend suits. Sure. And where the, my people would shop. Where my people would <laughs> shop. Uh, the bottom portion would be like the nicer wool blended, lighter sure. weight, natural fiber suits. Well, anyways, I would, you know, as a new guy, it was pretty easy. Those suits up top are like a hundred bucks, 150 yeah. bucks. All right. Yep. For a suit, that's a pretty good deal. So I'd hang out up there and, and slang the shit out of those suits. And so Jim Long would call him the founder of the company, would call me the Polly King. <laughs> I was like, you fucker. But he I know that that's kind of like supposed to be an insult given yeah. material and everything. Yeah, that's yeah. actually a pretty badass name. I, you know, now that I think about it with all the tech fibers that are back in style now, you know, everybody's, you know. Want, want to I mean, do this was the king. It wasn't yeah, the you know, king, the something king. something more derogatory. So. Yeah, the poly king. That's what he called me. But you know, I sold sold the hell out of those suits, and it was a lot of fun. I got to know a lot of people, you know, because of it. And and actually, a lot of uh, young people that were doing cool things, like you know, graduates, um, exactly. students from MSU, and, yeah. and people that were kind of looking to do things in business. So it was a lot of fun. You're in the best position for that, right? I mean, if if the job requires a suit. 
and you're working in Mankato, right. you're going to be the guy that they're talking to, which I think is such a cool thing. And you combine that with your natural talent to develop relationships with customers, and it becomes really powerful. I mean, when you and I assembled guest lists for this podcast alone, I thought that I was pretty proud of my guest list and the 50 or 60 so names that I had on it. And then I looked at your 80 or so names, and I'm like, these are a lot of the people that I, I haven't quite had the opportunity to connect with yet. And uh, well, you've a, got a lot of cool relationships. Well, thank you. I, I, uh, I received that, and, and I appreciate that. And um, no, I mean, it's it's been a blessing. I will tell you this. I, I didn't think that when I first got into this, this business world and, and whatnot that it would become what it is. There's, you know, days that I didn't always love it, of course. Um, there's times it was challenging. There was times when I thought about doing other things, but really the relationships and the networking have always brought me back to, to what I'm doing and, and to appreciate it and to, to thank the good Lord above for what I have. And, and, uh, so it's been pretty cool. Um, I definitely like networking. I like learning people's stories. Hence why when we talked about a podcast together years ago, mm-hmm. um, it appealed to me to get yeah. to know people on a deeper level. So, um, yeah, uh, it's not necessarily about selling the clothes oh. or selling the threads or even selling, you know, now that we have a lifestyle shop. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about selling the things. It's about creating those relationships and showing a few cool things in the process. It's evident in the way that you work. So I think that's really cool. Well, thanks, um, buddy. So Knight's Chamber, but mm-hmm. eventually Jay Long's, mm-hmm. that name change happened in... You know, it, uh, I'm terrible with dates. Um, Roughly. But you yeah, know, we're not gonna hold you to it, but uh, let's go with <laughs> August, uh, August thirty third of. You know, I, I think it was uh, it was two thousand nine or two thousand ten. Sure, I believe that's fair. And um, then two thousand nine, I think, is probably more accurate. You switched locations. Eventually, you got out outside of the River Hills Mall and over to what, what's the name of the other mall that's across the street. Yeah. Yep. So we moved out of that Ruddles location. We opened up a big ass shop next to Shields and across some Barnes and Noble. Big ass shop. Big ass shop. That was actually our first dabble into the women's uh, arena, women's clothing, along with men's. Opened a big shop, but honestly, there's multiple factors I won't necessarily get into because we don't want to make this super long. But big thing is, it was you know the economy was taking its dump at that time, and um, it just unfortunately didn't work out. We had a lot of square footage and and being in the mall rent is Mm -hmm. it's not uh it's not cheap it's not cheap it's not inexpensive so that was that was a difficult situation but we eventually moved out of there we moved across the street by Veda salon and spa they're currently there planet fitness williams diamond center yep and we had a spot there and we were there for seven years Mm -hmm. and uh fast forward to now we are currently at 1640 madison avenue right next to the new cork and key the old Mexican village building. That's Great what, spot. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. We love the location. It's nice to be able to have a standalone building because you don't have to compete with the traffic as much, at least. It, you know, your old strip mall location, that was a little bit of a challenge sometimes it with was. parking. Um, plus, you've got, I, I just feel like it's a little bit more autonomy as far as your exterior aesthetic and you just don't it, there's less of a hustle and bustle kind of feel it's more of an experience because you can pull up you can walk in and it's it's just fully yours you don't have to deal with your landlord's expectations your neighbor's expectations absolutely and you've done a beautiful job with it which i know is partially your construction company partially you guys as an ownership team and christy holt who does a lot of your styling within the space too and mm-hmm. the rest of your team it just 
from top to bottom. You know, every time I walk into that store, it's beautiful. Which well, is thank fun. you. Yeah, it's uh, it's going really well. You know, we've got a great team, uh, a part of it. It's not just myself or Matt. You know, a lot of people see us on the videos being stupid on social media and, and creating fun content. But there's uh, just like many successful businesses and relationships, there's a team behind yeah. uh, behind those people. And uh, that includes, you know, like you said, Christy Holt and, and Brianna Long is fantastic. She helps me with marketing. She's great with buying for the women's side now that we have. And uh, Matt Long does a great job as my business partner, as a buyer, the main buyer. And kind of, uh, I guess you could call, he wears the the management hat, um, mm-hmm. lead coffee cup holder. Um, <laughs> and then you got Jamie Tolbert, Silver Fox. Yeah. Both of those should be titles, lead coffee cup holder and Silver Fox. Silver Fox. Jamie's wonderful. He, he manages our wedding business, which has just grown leaps and bounds, which is, sure. is not an easy task to do, but, uh, mm-hmm. he does it well. And then of course, you know, Judy Long managing, uh, everything else behind the scenes, kind of an operations manager, mm-hmm. um, does everything from accounts payable to, janitor um and everything in between she's she's wonderful so it's a team effort we have a lot of great part-timers and yeah i just want to make sure i at least say that it's not about me it's not a one-person show it's it's really grown into something cool and it takes a lot of a lot of heads together well and i don't i think you might have mentioned this but much more than just a men's store now right i mean very much a lifestyle store so jamie doing a great job with those weddings obviously still selling suits still servicing you know, a ton of clientele within that higher echelon of main kiddo business community as well right. as all the other folks. But then additionally, that women's community and just a general, you know, anyone in main kiddo that really wants a cool gift that makes sense for anyone. Absolutely. Right? Whether it's cocktails or, you know, just something fun that uh, maybe provokes a laugh when you open it, like those funny joke napkins or those ridiculous puzzles that... Uh, <laughs> the pooping puppy puzzles? Oh, that's fantastic. I actually said it right. I, it's such a tongue twister in a way. Pooping puppy puzzles. I had to do it a lot yeah. slower. <laughs> pooping, pooping puppy puzzles. Um, no, these cool items. I mean, the thing is, is we wanted to create a space. We've all been into stores before or places before that you you walk in and you think maybe you're going to spend like three to five minutes in there and all of a sudden you're there for half hour, 45 minutes and time mm-hmm. kind of flies, you know, time flies when you're having fun. Right. So, um, that's kind of how we built out the shop into our, we call it a lifestyle shop, but we, uh, we started with women's now we, we carry product, um, athleisure as well as intermediate pieces, yeah. jackets, jeans, denim boots, whatever, Sam Edelman boots, uh, Lululemon, Aloe Viore. I mean, tons of things for women. I don't want to sit here and name name the brands, I just encourage people to stop in and check it out. It's it's wonderful, and the team's doing a great job. And that's the vision is to grow this and make it the coolest place, honestly. Not to totally sound like a hype man, but I, we want the coolest shop to go to in Minnesota slash the Midwest eventually, and that's what we're going to do. Well, and not to sound like a co-hype man, but I would say mission accomplished. Uh, Already? It's, it's Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, I, I think I said this to you earlier. All right, here's $20. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That was not what we agreed on, but I'll, I'll take that as a down payment. Uh, no, I would, I just, I think I said this earlier is that I have, I go in there maybe three times, four times a month, right? And part of that's for work, but part of that's for personal shopping. And I cannot go in there and without fail, every time I go in, I see something 
different that I didn't see before. And part of that's because the store is so packed with so many cool things, but also because you guys are constantly evolving and constantly adding new product in, which is such a testament to how great your crew is as, as far as keeping that fresh. Right. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the goal. Keep it fun. Keep it fresh. And, uh, you know, Christy and Bree do a great job of merchandising that product and moving it around. It, it's funny to me because we get a lot of people that will stop in like once a week mm-hmm. and they'll go, well, this this was just here like a few days ago. Where is it now? <laughs> and I'll say, well, we just want to keep you on your toes, you know, and, and so they mm-hmm. want to switch it up and keep it fresh. So yeah. it's really fun. It, it's really rejuvenated my soul in the business, to be honest. After 15 years in the business, you know, almost 12 of which is one of the owners, um, you know, those, those new things spark new, uh, kind of feelings about it. And, and not that I don't love selling suits and sport coats to clients, Mm -hmm. but, um, doing that as long as I have starts to get, it started to get a little boring. So the fact that we have new products to sell and we got new people coming in excited about what we're doing and old clients that are very loyal, which we appreciate coming in saying, holy shit, you guys are, you're really doing something cool here. That's rejuvenating the soul. You know, everybody wants to wake up and be excited about their job, and and uh, that's where I'm at today. And it's pretty fun. Well, it's all deserved, and I'm glad that's where you're at. Yes, yeah. that's a good spot to be. Hundred percent. So I uh, obviously want to touch on something that is really cool, and that is business. Hey, <laughs> oh, I mean, we're we're going to talk about that in this podcast, obviously, and amongst many other things, but. Enough about me for a moment. I also want to throw back your way. So here is the football. Toss it to you. You're supposed to catch it. You're supposed to catch it, Wes. Well, that's what he fumbled I tried. All again. Right. All right. Uh, so obviously, Zans, you know, I know you threw that out there as just a side mm-hmm. comment a little bit ago, but your family um, started Zans in what, the 80s? Am I correct on that? Somewhere in the mid. Yeah. 80, so do you do want the long or you want the short? Well, I think if like I medium, <laughs> yeah, give us the medium. Um, that's cool. I mean, obviously, I know a few like bits and pieces from yourself and just sure. from what I've read, but um, it's a fun story. So tell what you want to tell. I think people need to hear this. So mom and dad met at the restaurant. Mom was working there first. Dad got hired in as the manager. Dad, uh, well, first of all, mom was like, oh, who's this? prick that's gonna boss me around now that he's the new manager he doesn't even know how this place runs right but uh ultimately my mom or my dad walked in and the like the first day he says he fell in love with my mom he knew right away i'm i'm gonna date this woman and i'm probably gonna marry her and he restrained himself up until the third date after asking her out he restrained himself up until that point to finally say hey just fyi we're definitely getting married <laughs> and she was like eh, you're crazy but yeah. whatever that's great <laughs> and eventually clearly did and uh it was it was kind of an evolution because they started together they, they worked together in this restaurant that used to be called santico's so for some of the old timers that have been around for a while You'll recognize that name. Zantigo's used to be the restaurant that is currently Zan's, but it also used to be a restaurant that had 100-plus locations across the Midwest. Wow. And really nationwide. It was owned by KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, uh, and eventually Pepsi-Cola, which some folks probably don't know. Pepsi-Cola owns Taco Bell, they own Pizza Hut, and they eventually bought Kentucky Fried Chicken, who owned Zantigo's. Hmm. So I hope that's clear enough for folks. It's clear. That's um, interesting. I did not know any of that. Yeah. So Pepsi-Cola, when they bought 
Kentucky Fried Chicken, as a new part of their portfolio, said, well, we already have this Mexican restaurant chain, Taco Bell. It's It's got great business everywhere but the Midwest. Midwest, we've been having some issues. We're, we're actually competing head-to-head with Zantigo's. Zantigo's has been around a little bit longer. It's got this stronger foothold from a real estate standpoint. You know what? Why don't we just close that business down? We'll take over their real estate holdings, and we'll turn them into either Taco Bells, Kentucky Fried Chickens, or Pizza Huts. And we'll take maybe the best one or two items off of their menu and add it into the Taco Bell menu to keep the Midwesterns happy. And also, maybe it works well in our national menu. So that's what they did. And in the process, my parents knew the current owners, or well, the, the past owners, I suppose, of Zantigo's at that time. Um, Jeff Fowler and his parents had, had been in the ownership of that business for a while. And so they were offered the opportunity to then buy the business or take their chances and maybe become managers of a Taco Bell. And my mom was really the one that had a lot of gumption and said, hey, I think we can do this. My dad had the experience. He'd been the day-to-day manager for a long time. And so between his knowledge and her willpower, they decided to make a go of it. They bought the restaurant in 1987, uh, had my sister shortly thereafter, uh, a month. They were pregnant when they signed the the papers, which is kind of a fun story. So Matt got married and bought the restaurant all within that kind of 10-year period, which is really cool. And then six and a half short years later, after buying the restaurant, had me in 1993. So I was born. 93, baby. Yeah. Wow. That's right. So Good year. It was. And uh, it was, it's, it's always been kind of a cool part of my history, especially on the agency front, working with so many other small businesses. I can quite literally say that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for this this basically this small business, right? Wow. Like I'm a product of small business and that's a part of the reason why it's in my DNA. So, you know, like you, I grew up, you know, in that, that space, scrubbing toilets, scrubbing floors, working my way up the food chain. Doing the hard shit. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that I didn't want to do that long term. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why would you? I right? want to scrub toilets for the rest of my life. Yeah. And there, there's nothing cents. wrong with doing it for a while. Sure. Right? And it teaches you a lot of things, man. And sometimes even a longer time than just a little while. Absolutely. So, and there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Did your parents and pay you for that? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Like kind of like early on even just had some sort of allowance or did they, how did they go yeah. about that being as a family business, you know? Yep. Um, was it, uh, Starting I know out. some people would call it child labor today. I just called that life back then. It's just the way it was, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 250, I think was what I started at. I eventually worked my way up to somewhere around 450. And then I can't remember what the minimum wage was, but I eventually got that when I graduated to the cash register. Nice. So I just see you as the type of person that probably said, hey, you know, mom, dad, I got to have a conversation with you. You just seem like that kind of guy who I sat him a, down and you yeah. advocated for that raise. I was an art of the deal guy. And that's Poor what you. my dad always called me and Look still calls you. me to this day, which <laughs> I mean, art of the deal is the name of Trump's yeah, book. Have you so read people, it? I actually have. You have? Okay. I haven't read Before it. Before I became president or even had a political sure. career, I read it. Good book. I was, I was big into the business side it was an okay book honestly okay. I, I don't mean to offend anyone that's a huge trump supporter well, but hey you know. we're getting we're getting deep in this podcast west so we're not yeah. here yes you're right we're not here to offend anybody but we are here to be real so that's right but it was it was an okay book but i definitely knew what my dad meant when he <laughs> he gave me a hard time about that because i i did advocate for myself i also advocated for the business and that was one of the things that i knew that i enjoyed was 
looking at the business more holistically and saying, here's maybe some shortcomings or here's some opportunities for additional growth or new business. And so I was constantly doing that. I mean, 12, 13, 14, I was trying to develop my own version of business pitches to try and get my dad to make changes within his own business. So where do you think that that business kind of drives slash... I'm failing to come up with another uh, word slash phrase, but where, where does that come from for you? Is that from your mom and your dad? I mean, I would assume because they were kind of your earliest advocates of, I think you it's know, partially that. Yeah. Growing up in that culture. Did, did you watch a movie? Did you have somebody <laughs> else in your, you just thought that is cool. I want to run a business. Like, I mean, where, where's that thing come from? Is that just kind of who you are? I know you played football for Loyola. You have, yeah. you know, my, my mom always attributed it a little bit more to my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, uh, John Simmons, who was also an entrepreneur. He was also an attorney here on the local level. Uh, but he started his own firm. He specialized in a specific area, which was very rare back in the day. Like now we're very accustomed to attorneys specializing, but especially a small town attorney back in the sixties and seventies, that was unheard of. Right. Um, so he did that. He launched his own personal injury attorney firm uh, on Madison Avenue before there was anything on Madison Avenue. He was like business number two, right? So and that's right next to Hilltop Florist. That's right. Right. Yep. So he was, he was up there at the very beginning and all the other lawyers in town were laughing at him because they're like, everyone's downtown. What do you think? And, and you his know, personal injury was the personal injury the was his. Okay. Yep. And so he originally, I think he originally, because he was pretty spanking new, he'd been working with some other partners for a little bit, but it was it was not too far from my age now, twenty eight um, or so, that he was like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna start my own thing, and then shortly after he started his own thing, he said, I'm gonna put my stamp on it of exclusively personal injury. I'm gonna maybe I will still take a case or two, but advertising wise, I'm only really trying to get personal injury business. Wow. So smart. And I he did a lot of travel, so he went out to California, he went to New York, he went to these different places, and I think he picked it up from the coast. And brought it back to the middle of the country, which is what often happens with trends. We, I mean, we still see that now, although that changes with some of the digital aspects, right? Just my perspective. But um, so my mom has always said that I got a bit of that from my grandfather, and I, I think that's probably true, just from looking at his history. Sure. Wow. Yeah. Well, but, that's interesting. Thank you for sharing that. That's yeah. that's cool. Is he in he is he still with us today? No, he passed on. He did. Yeah. Okay. And that but Simmons and is it Simmons and Wright? So it used to be Simmons, Simmons and Wright. Simmons, it, Simmons and Wright. It okay. grew to be a family law firm. So it was okay. my grandfather, my aunt, and my uncle. Okay. And eventually my grandfather retired and once he passed away, shortly afterwards, out of respect, they eventually then took his name off. Okay. Uh, so it became Simmons and Wright. And then my aunt also passed away, which was the other Simmons. Uh, but they still have Simmons and Wright on the on the name again, largely out of respect. So it's mostly my my uncle that uh, has that firm now. Okay. So. Gotcha. And the building is still there and it's yep. active and, and I see it and and uh up until a recent conversation with you, I didn't even know if that was if anything was still going on in there. To be completely honest, but it yeah. is active today, and your uncle is running the show. Yeah, as a one man show, he doesn't need to do a ton to sure. really sustain a good book of business, and he's he's done pretty well. Is it well still for a personal injury? Still personal status. Injury. Okay. Yep. All right. I shouldn't so. say status, but that's what their, their focus he's, is. He's getting close to retirement. Um, 
I I don't know exactly what his timeline is, but right. you know, I'm I'm chatting with him about that. I go over there every Thursday for coffee and nice. have coffee with both him and then another aunt separate from the attorney aunt that used to work there and be an owner. Sure. Uh, we have another aunt that's a legal aid secretary there. So okay. it's, you know, it's all in the family. So it's fun right. to go over there and have coffee and chat and catch up. Well, that's cool. So a little birdie told me, uh, the little birdie maybe uh, possibly named Wes uh, Warner Otto, but uh, you and your sister Molly are planning on, we didn't, I don't think we talked about this yet, Mm -hmm. but you and your sister Molly are planning on uh, purchasing the business, acquiring the business from your parents, Mm -hmm. uh, June, summer, summer, 2022. That's right. That's coming up. So that's got to be really exciting for you. Um, It is. I'm wondering, number one, um, on a scale of one to a hundred, how excited you are about that (laughs) opportunity. And then number two, do you and Molly have any plans to, you know, Zans has been known as that place that doesn't change, but it still offers great food, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, legendary. Do you, guys, do you guys have plans to change anything? Um, anything you want to share about that? Yeah. So uh, scale of one to hundred to answer your first question. I, it's up there. It's, it's closer to the hundred. I, <laughs> I, I don't know what the exact number is, but it's... Um, you know, there's there's some things that I would love to clean up, and this is definitely a partnership. So Molly's the operational side of the business, 100%. I mean, she's the backbone. I, I can take very little credit for what happens there without her. Um, so she's the day-to-day manager. She's Surf Safe certified. She went to school specifically for this. She handles all the day-to-day operations. I'm very much behind-the-scenes finance uh, we actually discussed putting chief taste testing officer on my business card at one point. Is there any other open positions for I that? Get that I question have every free time. Do you really? <laughs> every time I oh, bring yeah. it up, they're I like, mean, what would it take for me to get that job? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's exclusive. I'm sorry. Side it's, note, yeah. I have to interrupt because I got to tell you, one of the best quotes I've ever heard. Tell me. From, well, it's from you. Oh, sir. I hope it was good. Uh, well, it, it was good. Uh, Wes I think I know what you're going to say. told me a couple of years ago, um, he said, never trust a skinny cook. <laughs> and I've repeated that multiple times to clients of mine, plus other people in the community, and they all get a kick out of that. And I get a kick out of it. And Wes, for the, those of you who know him, he's, he's like a big teddy bear. In fact, I think one of your nicknames is Bear. But Yes. Correct? Yes. Um, but uh, I loved that. Never trust a skinny cook. And, uh, of course, his family owns Zan's. So it just makes sense. Jeez, Chilito City. It That's does. what you could call it if you wanted to change the name. There but you go. I like that. Anyways, continuing. I just, uh, where were we? I interrupted you. Just talking job roles and eventually getting into what our plans are. But the job role piece is important because we, we just have some things to fine-tune a little bit. And so Molly and I are both kind of getting on the same page as far as what do we want to do? We we have some things operationally that we just want to fine tune for the first couple of years, especially there's an obligation when you buy a business to actually pay the person you bought it for. So oh, that'll yeah. take some yeah. time too with mom and dad. We want to make sure that they're in a nice position too. But eventually, uh, no one lose their mind over this. We would love, uh, you know, it's it's a very old but nostalgic building. We would love to add a drive-through, and the only way to add that drive-through is to basically rebuild the whole building. 
So some people are like, oh, cool. Yeah, that's a very dated building. That would be a good move to move, you know, to do. And other people are like, no, you can't tear it down. You can't change anything about it. Right. And so I love both of you because both of you are right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if we want to progress, uh, there's got to be some way to pull some of that history forward while still being able to serve clientele the best way possible. Yeah. So our goal is to eventually look at doing a very not cheap, not, inexp- you know, not simple rebuild, but a very well thought out uh, rebuild where we bring forward a lot of that same, like the taco sign that's a co- iconic, that's that drive through kind of area. Um, some of the terracotta tiles that are in the inside, some of those rich brown, deep kind of colors, keeping all of that along with those, I don't know if people like them or not, but some people say they love the yellow booths. And, you know, finding <laughs> finding some of those tones and figuring out which ones are the right ones to bring with. Right. And some of those elements. And do a rebuild that's very well thought out, but also optimizes the property. And there's no set timeline. I would say somewhere five years plus is the, the general thought process on that. Um, but when we do it, it will be as well thought out as possible and in the best way possible to serve our, our current as well as future clientele. I love it. So I think that's fantastic. And uh, the people, the reason why people love you so much, or I should say the majority of people love you so much is because of the nostalgia that they have when they walk in that place. So of course, yeah. that's got to be a challenging thought process to change that because that is what people fight. Yes. Literally will argue with people. I've seen social media before. <laughs> I have seen conversations, which, by the way, you do a great job of responding to them in a very respectful slash direct way. Yeah. But um, some people get upset about the fact they may walk in there. They might write a review about it's old and dingy. And you've had those before, right? Yeah, old and yeah, dingy. And happened. this is it. But they obviously don't understand the Zan story <laughs> and like the reason why you guys keep it that way. It's stepping back in time. And let's be honest. I think we can all agree that in the world we live in today, and I'm a 35-year-old man, maybe a boy. That's a good clarification. I was was a little uncertain on that. Maybe a (laughs) man-child. We'll just say a man-child. That sometimes it's nice to slow down, and it's nice to take a step back in time and to to Mm -hmm. not have everything so new and fresh and clean and maybe clean isn't the right word we're talking a restaurant but you know what i mean don't you what don't you know what there's always room for improvement i think the thing that i would say is yes there's definitely an experience with the building there's also an experience with the food and people associate the building and the food together sure the food will never change would you ever recipe will never change would you ever think about so you have i I mean this is just my thought process going because i get Creative with creatively weird, um, so you have the you know the, the little awning underneath the taco sign. Mm-hmm. People can park under there and walk yep. in, right? What about getting back to the old school thought process of uh, placing your order on a touchscreen and having somebody bring it out for you, like a you know like a cute, a cute uh, young gal or a yep. cute young boy come out and you know serve serve the stuff maybe on roller skates. Yep. Um, the, the maybe not that far, but I'm not <laughs> trying to be. Is Sonic do that? Uh, no, well, do I don't think do they that. do the roller skates, but they do bring your food, do bring out, your food out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's two thoughts on that. Number one, um, people actually misconstrue that drive up 
uh, what, what would you call it, the awning, yeah. they think that that's actually how it used to be, and it never <laughs> used to be that way, which is kind of funny. Really? But people commonly think that that used to be a drive The Zan's restaurant. They think that your restaurant was Any that. of the restaurants. Okay. None, of the, none of the previous restaurants that were there were that. The closest thing to it is, is it actually used to be, and I can't remember if it was Bell's or if it was... Um, trying to remember the name of the other restaurant right now one of them used to be a walk up so you'd walk up to the window kind of like the old school dairy queen that didn't have an actual lobby you just walked up to the window sure to the window they handed you the food through the window right and so, if it's raining you get your ass wet and yeah. you just you keep waiting 20 yep. deep exactly so okay. that that used to be a thing but never the drive up piece of it and people will even argue with you but there's absolutely no historical evidence there's no one that will actually like there's no there's nothing that documents that that was a thing. That was strictly there for parking protection. Really? So, yeah. That wasn't very nice of your family to do that. <laughs> well, it was before our time. <laughs> and it even actually had more letters at one time because the awning used to be longer. Uh, oh. So, so you're saying that it was it spells, the Zantigo? Was that? No. no. It, so it spells taco right now, T-A-C-O, which is four letters. Yeah. One of our letters got blow, blown out by the latest storm by the way uh but it used to be i think five letters because it used to be bells b-e-l-l-s hmm. so bells hamburger restaurant so it used to Holy be one shit. more letter the awning used to extend an additional i think two parking stalls but never an actual drive up style so it was bells bells hamburger, hamburger. restaurant mm-hmm. and that was before zantigo's was that? that was so? Yeah, I I have the history written down. So you're gonna have to give me just Holy two seconds because some of the history junks will love this. Well, that's that's great. We can take our time with this. So let's see here. Bell's was 1966, and this is these are estimations. I tried to go through property records and actually determine exact dates, and it's it's hard to find because even the property records don't give us a clear history. Bell's we we estimate to be 90, 1966. Bell's became Robbie's, which was also a hamburger joint, in 1971. And there was multiple Robbie's restaurants across Mankato. And then in 1973, it became Zapata. And that's the piece that we haven't really touched on. The original Zantigo's franchise before it became Zantigo's used to be Zapata. And then there was this Mexican bandit running around Mexico named Emiliano Zapata that was beheading people. And so the corporate (laughs) restaurant, (laughs) Zapata, said, well, we should probably change our name since this dude's killing a bunch of people. Yeah. And they changed their name to Zandigo. So that happened, I think it was about 1976. It's amazing. Wikipedia page. And then 11 years later, we buy the restaurant and shorten the name to Zans. Wow. yeah. Uh, well, I don't know about you guys listening to this podcast, but that blows my mind. That's 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 awesome. That's really cool history, and um, it makes me uh, proud to be a customer. Thank you. Proud to be a friend of yours. Proud to carry the Zans Landmark Series Cato Clothing T-shirt at our store at Jane Long's. That's a great mention. It's super cool. Yeah. Um, which was created, actually... Uh, by a local artist named Laura Sonic. She's mm-hmm. now in L.A. in art Very school. Talented. Very talented. And just a sweetheart of a gal. Uh, but at J. Long's, we sell a Zans uh, collaboration with our our, our Cato clothing line. Uh, we did a Poly Eyes one as well. 
and uh, it's super cool. I think a lot of your staff actually wear the Zans shirt while they work. Is that more than I think they wear their uniforms? Well, that's honestly. good. That's good. I mean, we we. we <laughs> well, Judy was really sweet okay and ran some over, which yeah, was she's really sweet. nice of her. Because most of our employees, uh, some of our employees have gone over and bought them, but a lot of them are are just not the type that are going <laughs> to right. go shopping for themselves. Period. Well, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. I mean, we wanted to give you guys a ton of free ones. You gave us the opportunity to to, to print it and use use your family. You know, oh. business name on there, so that was cool. So and I'm gonna thank put you, you so much. I'm gonna put you on the spot, and it's okay if you don't have an answer. But I think okay. I've asked Bree a few times. You guys have reordered a lot. Do you know roughly either how many reorders or sales or like? I wish I could tell you. I just know that um, it seems to be there's just a cult following behind Zans and Poly Eyes. Yeah. And um, Poly Eyes yeah. is fantastic, by the way. Oh, it's delicious. Yeah. I mean, both it's my one of my. I, I probably will say my favorite pizza, although I really do love Dino's and I really do love Gary's too, which is also not as, as popular, but I'm a big fan. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're also a business that's been around forever here. Um, I'm not, you know, that'd be fun to get them on this podcast too and talk about the history, that'd but be interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, they've been around since what the fifties, I believe, um, Maybe. in yeah. Mankato here. So no, I think that's, um. That's super cool. I I want to also make sure before we uh, end the episode tonight, thank you all for listening, by the way. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, but uh, we want to talk about OMG and what it is today. I mean, a lot of people are like, well, OMG, you may think, oh my God, of course, right? But Wes uh, and the entrepreneurial mind that he has and, and the motivation, motivated spirit that he is and, and knowing business has launched a media company actually um, not really has launched, but had uh, what three years ago, four years ago, no six, six years ago. <laughs> um, OMG was started, and it's Auto Media Group. Yes, and they're above the Aaron Hatampa State Farm Insurance on Riverfront Drive. Absolutely, mm-hmm. um, Jay Longs. We currently use them as our company that helps us create our. Uh, I call them stupid videos, but because we just have a good time making them, and yep. they make us look stupidly professional uh, in these marketing videos, which is great. But I want to talk about OMG. Um, one thing I really like about it, uh, actually, there's multiple things I like about it, but the one thing I really am proud about, I guess, is knowing you for all these years, almost a decade or about a decade, is you took, it, it's easy to step into a family business, right? You got your parents have Zans. And it's easy to step in that role and kind of ride the coattails of somebody else before you. And and uh, some people, we probably all know somebody that rides the coattails of their parents' success and and uh, thinks they're a big shot. But you created OMG from the ground up with yeah. help from others that have many talents. And I want to know that story. I want to know like what how that's going today, mm-hmm. how you created it, and uh, and where it's at. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, so I would say back around the time that my dad was having some health issues, I found myself with some free time because I was, I took time off of school. I didn't actually end up graduating from MSU. I ended up focusing mostly on family because of those health issues as well as the family business. So I had this extra time on my hand and I I was looking at my own resume and my own skill sets and what I enjoyed. And there was two things that I saw. Number one, I knew that I enjoyed working with other business owners as well as just folks that led organizations that they were passionate about because I feed off other people's energy. 
Uh, number two, a lot of my past work experience, at least within the college setting, ended up lining up more with marketing than it did even with finance, which is what I was originally thinking I was going to go into college for. And so I decided, you know what, maybe I move into a little bit of a marketing consulting role and start doing some consulting. But you have to keep in mind, I was also 21 years old without actually finishing my college degree and absolutely no basis to start doing this outside of a handful of projects that I'd done. So I reached out to the Small Business Development Center, a great organization here in, in southern Minnesota that consults with a lot of folks and said, hey, I want to do this. And they said, well, too bad. You don't have your master's degree and you need to be working on that or have X number of years of business experience, which is more of a national standard. I was I was friends with the director. It wasn't it wasn't a personal thing. It was just a, a standard. So I said, well, I guess I'll I'll hang my own shingle then. And, and do my own thing. And I have no idea how this is going to go, but I know that I'm going to need a business partner, someone that can fulfill more than the strategy and the business savvy side of things. I need a creative. And I had a few folks that I was, I was contemplating, but I reached out to a good friend that honestly wasn't even a, a, like a good friend. It was someone that I knew at the time, uh, Mike Sargent. And Mike, uh, I knew, had some industry experience, especially within an ad agency at Lime Valley. Uh, he also came from the restaurant background, which I super appreciated because I know how hardworking the restaurant background can be. And so he brought that graphic design and some, some traditional ad agency experience. And we said, yeah, maybe we launch this, this ad agency. And uh, that's what we did. And the first year was very all over the place right we were taking projects wherever we could get them we were networking we were grinding we were doing the not nine to five but seven to ten right and i mean ten at night yeah <laughs> uh sometimes sleeping at the office sometimes just you know throwing stupid ideas at each other and seeing what sticks and ultimately we slowly started to develop this client base of folks that saw some value in our dedication and our passion as well as our creative talents and said, yeah, we're willing to take a, a chance on you and we want to do some things that aren't necessarily within what you currently do and how do we do that? And so things like website development. Neither Mike or I knew how to do websites. Uh, we we kind of taught ourselves and by ourselves I mostly mean Mike <laughs> <laughs> he taught himself how to do video production. I, I taught myself a little bit of directing, really. Sure. Um, and so we, we took on some small video projects, but when we got some more advanced ones, oof, well, now how do we do video production? And so on and so forth with some of these services that were a little bit outside of our scope. And so we, we reached out to friends of ours that we knew that were in the industry, but were freelancers. And we also had some of them reach back out to us, separate from anything else. And so uh, those conversations led to what is currently OMG, which is a little bit of a different take on advertising because the traditional ad agency, you've got an owner or an ownership structure, and then you've got employees, just like any other business. OMG is very much a freelancer contractor model, but with a collaborative operation that's unlike any other business. So we've got this great 3,000 square foot space that's up here right above a Tampa State Farm Insurance. Uh, it's got this wonderful open concept. Each individual rents their own office space because all of us used to be business homeless, as I like to put it. 
And so everyone moves into the same space. Uh, we all work together on a lot of the projects and I end up heading a lot of the business development. So I take my strategy and my business skill sets and say, let me leverage some of my network. Let's have some conversations with folks that are mostly coming to us, honestly, and try and figure out solutions that make sense for their problems. And simultaneously look at our roster of folks that are up here and pick out the talent that makes the most sense for the situation. So we've got multiple graphic designers, multiple web developers, uh, videography folks, photography folks, all of these same folks. Some of them are under the same roof. Some of them are outside of the space, but all of them have skill sets, types of clients or types of work that they want to do. And we're able to bring them together under one roof, all on one invoice, all within one proposal. And they're all familiar with working with each other. We, we oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes equate to 50% of that freelancer's total business. So it's, wow. it's a, a great, lot. yeah, it's a great way where we're not, we're not necessarily the, we don't have the risk or the overhead really for our clients of employing a ton of folks so we can be more cost competitive than other folks but simultaneously we have some creative talent that would never want to work for someone else either sure and that's a big differentiator i mean yeah there's security in a salary but there's also a lot of monotony and a lot of requirements that you don't want to have to jump through as far as hoops if you have to work for someone else and so an entrepreneur that's really skilled in their own skill set that's freelancing has that flexibility to say yes or no to certain projects. So you found that structure has worked these... Um, beautifully. Obviously, beautifully. Yeah. That sums it up. Yeah. I was going to say you got, you know, when somebody's a creative and they've had their own business before, mm-hmm. um, possibly working out of their house or having their own office, and now you're trying to manage slash play, I, I, this may sound bad, I don't mean to make it sound bad, but uh, the, the puppet master of all the talent... Right, trying to figure out yeah. every 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 little bit and where they go and how they help out. Mm-hmm. Has that been a challenge? Or do you find that, for the most part, the, the talent is so great that it yep. actually makes your job pretty easy? You're just kind of taking, you're taking outlets, uh, or you're taking uh, <laughs> plugs and you're putting them in the outlets and boom, things shine. Much more like the second piece. I, I know what you mean 100% when you say puppet master, but that is definitely not the right term. I would say communication conduit. Right? Okay. So I'm essentially streamlining communication between two sides and trying my best not to play a game of telephone where things get messed up. Um, But really just saying, here's client expectations. Uh, Can you meet them? And if not, what's our our best path forward? Here's, here's where the rest of the team's at. And most of the time that, that freelancer, whoever it might be, is able to meet that unless they're at a capacity level where they're not, or they have a personal situation where they're not. Sure. In which case we're plugging in someone else. I mean, we're not limited to just one person, which is also a very cool thing. Right. So it ends up working out very well that way. So obviously we've, I've had a good experience uh, hiring you guys on to help us out with uh, Jay Long's and what we've done with our own videos and it fits our personality really well. So Thank you for that. But if somebody's out there right now and they're listening to us and they're an entrepreneur or a business owner or somebody who is the sister or brother of a business owner and they're maybe struggling with marketing in this age where it's so fast, it's so, uh, it just, it changes every day. Like what uh, maybe one piece of advice you would tell them as far as like a tip mm-hmm. from Wes at OMG <laughs> that would help them um, even without your services, a tip from you as a professional, but also 
why, I mean, let's just do a little, um, what do we want to call it? A shameless plug. You know, <laughs> if, if they were interested in you, sure. why should they be interested in you? So one tip and then also how could you help them as a bit, as a business owner to, uh, take a little bit of their off their plate during a busy day? So the answer to the first question on the tip front is always an easy one for me because, um, everyone is so focused with their marketing being a sales tool and it's almost commonly confused that marketing should be a sales tool. Yeah. Marketing should generate sales, but the methodology and, and the approach to that is very much different from a sales approach marketing. I think Jay Long's does it best. And that's one of the reasons why I'm going to selflessly plug it back to my own client, Jay Long's and say, yeah, we'll tie in a product, right? When we're doing some of those, especially those videos, when we're doing those long form videos, but we do entertain the audience. We're, we're adding value above and beyond trying to make a transaction. And that's the thing that I think gets lost a lot. And the value comes in a lot of different forms. It doesn't always have to be silly stupidness, right? It, it doesn't have to be entertainment. Could be educational. Could be could educational. Be. Could be news, right? And news is different from education because it has a, a timeliness effect. Uh, but there's a lot of different forms of value that you can provide as a business that develops either a thought leadership, a trust, or a level of appreciation for that brand that ultimately will lead to sales. And it doesn't have to involve forcing product or service down someone's throat. And that's the common approach with marketing. And we can certainly do it, and we've done it before, but it's not our preferred form of marketing. And so when we get clients that understand or appreciate that approach, it's a lot more fun. So that would be my my tip is it's not always possible because sometimes you need the sales and so you have to force it right out the gate. But if you've been around for a while and you can afford to make the slow play, right. which is the right long-term play, uh, build your marketing in a way that's that's adding value to your customer's life, not just in a way that's trying to suck every penny out. Sure. Very good. Very smart. Thanks. Um, the second piece is Auto Media Group does all kinds of things. So, you know, the the thing that's interesting is we'll have a client that'll come to us for just a small one-off design piece. We'll have folks that'll come to us for headshot photography, um, real estate, like a, a drone shot. We're licensed to actually do drone photography. So we have all these kind of like one-off project things. Mm -hmm. The things that are really fun that involve more of the whole team are website development where we're bringing in the designer, we're bringing in a photographer, we're bringing in a web developer, um, or social media management like your guys' account where we've, we've still got Kurt that does the bulk of the work, but we've also got myself who's setting strategy and developing a content calendar. We've got Casey developing some of that uh, graphic design to help support on some of those holidays and things like that. And if we can make it work, a photographer on top of the videographer. So a bunch of different personnel. So if someone wants to hire us, you know, there's always a free consultation. Um, we always offer that one time up front. Uh, we don't often give out, I, I try, I often break my own <laughs> rule. I'll give out a lot of free advice because advice is honestly, consulting is cheap. Right. I mean, yep. ideas are always cheap. It's whether or not you execute on them. So that happens. But I, I try and hold some of that back if I can so that you actually hire us and not just. Would steal you say the ideas. talk is cheap? Yeah. Talk is cheap. Talk it genuinely is cheap. Is. Mother. 
motherfucker. <laughs> we have the explicit logo on this podcast, we do, we right? Will. We're going to put the E in there because I think we've sworn a couple times. I today. think every episode will, honestly. Okay. Right. Just knowing us. There you go, guys. So Listening. But yeah, uh, that's that's the plug. I think that's great. I, I, I do, honestly, we've had a great experience with OMG. And, and for those out there who are struggling to break through the noise, um, honestly, give them a chance. And this isn't this isn't even like a thing that says, hey, you need to come shop J Longs or OMG or Zans or anything like that. Wes and I are two just common dudes that just like to talk about life and drink some whiskey, which we are doing right now, and that bottle's getting really empty, uh, which is great. <laughs> thank you, Chankaska. Yes, um, thank you. But uh, no, we just want to get deep with people. We want to talk about their passions outside of their own businesses, but we also want to talk about their businesses too and whatever else is interesting to them. So. Um, thank you for that opportunity. Thank you for your ears. And I just want you guys to know as we go forward that we have the desire and the passion to bring on a lot of good people, um, and people locally that are doing cool things. Um, it, it, the, the list of people that we plan on bringing on here is, is really robust and it's really diverse. And I think that is a really exciting thing for us. Um, and so I, I hope you stay tuned. I hope you enjoyed this episode, learned a little bit more about Wes and I, and keep tuning in. We will do our best to provide valuable content to you and continue to uh, to try to inspire and, and motivate and make you laugh a little bit too. What else you got, Wes? I'd just say one quick shout out to Sadie, who is the... <laughs> yes. Do you want to, Can you tell that story? I'll, tell it, I'll try and do it quick too, because I know we've been dragging on a little That's bit. That's okay. But, uh, so Aaron and I have been working on this for a while. We've been putting in a lot of effort on a lot of fronts. And one of the fronts that we were struggling with was naming. And we had a lot of good names, but unfortunately, like all good ideas, a lot of them were taken. And so we would have to recycle and restart. And we decided to take our name game to another level. We went to Tev on the <laughs> Ave and just kept ordering drink after drink after drink. Because <laughs> like Ernest Hemingway, you write drunk and edit sober, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we were, we were attempting to reach that kind of pinnacle of, of naming. And we told the waitress, hey, you're not going to get rid of us until we come up with a name for this podcast. And she just kept those drinks coming. She it was did. great. She was she was great on the service front, but uh, I think she she appreciated the mission, so she threw out a name for us to consider, which was pretty dang close to what we settled on. the The name she gave us, first of all, her name was Sadie, uh, the, but the waitress gave us the name of Let's Get Deep, and Let's Get Deep is taken, so we we just shortened it a little bit to Get Deep, and uh, we're. We're happy with it because it really summarizes everything we told her and everything we know that we're trying to accomplish with this. Absolutely. So. Yeah, shout out to Sadie. Thank you very much for that suggestion. It was a great evening and your service was awesome. So uh, thank you for much, so much for that. Again, uh, you know, the, the whole thing is, is premium spirits and quality conversations with this. So we hope to provide you some value going forward. Uh, happy holidays to all of you guys out there. We are just a handful of days before Christmas here. At the time of recording. Yeah, At the time of recording. Be, should be listening to this, I'm, I'm thinking early January is when we're going to launch. So. Yes, correct. So we're going to be a little bit, uh, we're a little early on that. But at the same time, I just wish everybody a, a fantastic, uh, you know, uh, Christmas and 2021. Uh, interesting year, but I, we all got through it. We made some cool strides and some cool accomplishments. And I hope you all, the, I wish you all the best. Wes, love you, buddy. Yeah, and, love uh, you too, man. This has been fun. Be well. Amen. Until next time. <laughs>